Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. have your Bibles, go ahead and open them. Your Bibles are open to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. And we are, uh, we are in the middle of this second part of this series. And we won't finish all of the Sermon on Mount during this series, but we'll come back to it. We have been believing that if Jesus is our teacher, if we claim to be disciples, that means He's our teacher. And so we should know and embody what He taught. And one of His greatest teachings is the Sermon on the Mount. And so we want to uh, make sure that we're walking through that slowly and surely. And we've been seeing that uh, Jesus has been talking in these last few weeks. We've been looking at how Jesus is looking at the motivations that motivate us into the things that we are called to be and to do in our world. One is to give to the poor. The other is prayer and then fasting. Today, we're going to continue in that talk on prayer. I hope some of you joined us and, and did what we were asking you to do, which was get alone with God, and simply one time per day, uh, or more if you wanted, but to get alone and to pray the Lord's Prayer. There's something about that that's going to help. And we're going to have another emphasis this week that we'll want you to join and interact with us online, but we'll get to that at the end of the service. But let's go ahead, and if you would, would you stand if you are able, uh, all over in your living rooms and around the world, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. This is Jesus' teaching. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Well, this coming Friday... I will be uh, heading back in for another uh, eye exam. I have to wear these spectacles on my face. And uh, and so I'll go through that normal thing where they dilate your eyes and make you look like a zombie 
for a few hours and then they put you in front of that machine and they do the, the thing where they flip the lenses. Which one looks better? One, two, A, B, C. I'll never forget the first time I had this happen. It was right after I turned 40, so about nine years ago. And uh, the reason I even went in was because I was trying to get the Bible far enough away to give a verse, and I gave the wrong verse, and so Lori went ahead and made that appointment for me. Um, I went in, and I'll, we went through that whole routine that I've just described, and, and my optometrist was saying, hey, um, I really like my, my uh, progressive lenses and my no-line bifocals. I really like them. Some people don't like the no-line, but they say it makes them dizzy, but... I've never had any trouble, and, and I just had in my mind, okay, well, good for you. I'm glad you enjoy those. Then she, after that awkward moment of silence, she said, so which do you want, lines or no lines? And I said, oh, I'm getting bifocals. And she said, yes, you are getting bifocals. I remember there were just a few more weeks as we were waiting for those bifocals to be made. I made my way back to their office and did the trying on, And I'll never forget when I went out to my car and was driving home, the shift in my view of those little, little adjustments, those, which one's better, one or two, A or B, those little tiny subtle shifts made such a dramatic difference. I mean, the colors were vivid. The, just everything seemed so clear. Uh, In fact, even when I was looking at at dark things like shadows under cars, they almost seemed to glow with an ultraviolet purple light. It was incredible the way those small shifts began to make such a difference in the way that I could live my life. Today, when we jump back into Jesus' teaching on prayer, we're going to see this shift. Last week we saw that Jesus believes that prayer should be done in secret. That that's that's an important part. Not all prayer, but there's a reason for going into a hidden or secret place. Because God is unseen. We are to go someplace unseen. We are to really enter in to God's space in prayer. So if God is unseen, we should go where we are unseen. It drops the defenses of the ego and allows for interaction with God. And there's reward there. We also saw that uh, we can enter into prayer uh, securely. We can see that prayer should be done securely, not in fear and trepidation, but knowing that our Father knows our needs before we even ask. So we can come in securely. And then this week, We want to see that prayer causes a shift. Just like those lens adjustments caused me to be able to live my life in better focus, so prayer causes this shift that will enable you and I to live out what Jesus is calling us to live out. And He does this through His prayer. Now, the first thing that we want to look at, we want to look at the fact around this prayer. And one of those facts is that the Lord's Prayer is really our prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus taught us. And so it is a prayer that you and I, as His disciples, are called 
to pray. And it is very simple. And we're going to look at this and what it does to make that shift. We're going to look at fact. And all of those are going to represent something. So the first thing that we see in this shift is that there is a shift in our focus. This prayer causes a shift in our focus. And that shift is from singular to plural. This prayer causes a shift in our focus from singular to plural. I mean, just look at the Scriptures. Look down at your Bible or your Bible app there, and you'll see all the plural verbs. Our Father. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors, lead us. Deliver us. Do you see how this automatically, this prayer that Jesus, our teacher, says we should be praying is something that's going to cause a a shift. It's not my Father. It's not give me. It's not forgive me. It is always the plural. It is our. Now, do I get to get in? Is God my Father? Yes, of course. Our includes me. It includes you. But the focus of our prayer is to shift us from always thinking about singular and move us into thinking plural. That it's not just me. We are in this together all the way through. The second thing, the second shift causes a shift in our allegiances. Prayer This prayer that Jesus taught us causes a shift in our allegiances. And our allegiances that can be many are shifted into an allegiance of one. A shift in allegiance from many to one. Scripture says, or this prayer says, Your name be hallowed. That means... Your name is the Great One. Your name is holy. Your name is sacred. Your name is set apart. It says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So not only does it shift our focus from individual to plural, but it shifts our allegiances from many back to one. I love what one of my professors used to say. So when you pray this prayer... When you say, your name be hallowed, it means out of the other side of your mouth, you are silently acknowledging that my name needs to diminish. As John the Baptist would say about the relationship with Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. When we pray this prayer, it shifts that allegiance to say, your name must increase. Mine must decrease. When you say, Your kingdom come, what you are saying silently out of the other side of your mouth is, and My kingdoms must go. My allegiances to other things must go. When I say, Your will be done, it means My will must be diminished. Wow. This one really hit hard in study for this. 
Because folks, the truth is, sometimes I believe I'm seeing that we are more likely to post something, to say something, to do something for our name to be exalted, or for my allegiance to a kingdom to be acknowledged, or for my will to be done. Simple test. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, or in your conversations with somebody, if you don't do either of those, how many of your posts are related to other kingdoms? Now remember, Other kingdoms is not boundaries, it's not geography, it's ruling and reigning and wanting their success. How many are talking about God's kingdom ruling? About God's agenda being accomplished in the world? And God's agenda is never connected to a political party. Church, this prayer shifts our allegiances. It shifts our focus back into Your name is holy. Your ruling and reigning. Your kingdom come. Mine go. Your will be done. Mine be diminished on earth as it is in heaven. So just like it operates in the heavenly realms in God's space, may God's space come into our space and may it be the same there as it is here. And I am convinced, my friends, that if Christians would spend more time in their day praying just those three lines, we would see just a dramatic advance of God's love and mercy and grace and forgiveness into our world. If we would simply allow this prayer that Jesus taught us to reshift our allegiances from the many things that distract us back to the One who loves us. That is the call of our prayer. It not only shifts our focus from singular to plural, it not only shifts our allegiances from many to one, but it shifts our concerns from me to others. It shifts those concerns that we have. I mean, look at verse 11. It says, give us today our daily bread. It shifts our concerns from me to others. Now, am I included in the daily bread, in in the hour, in the us? Of course you are, and I am. But again, Jesus is stretching. He's he's giving those, those little lens flips. One, two, A, B. So that we can live and see our lives in sure focus. And one of those ways that it needs to shift so that we can focus is in our concerns. From me to others, so that when I am praying for my needs, when I am praying for daily bread, it's a metaphor for the things that human beings need to live. Food, water, shelter. An ability to earn or make a living. That when we pray for these things, we don't just stop 
at what we see in our immediate, but we pray out, give us our daily bread. It's something that within our lives should stretch us as Christians to be thinking, oh God, don't just help me have a job or me and my family to be healthy and well. And, and not, it's not just I need this or that. It's, oh God, just like I do, so does everybody else. From the poorest person to the wealthiest, God, we need You. Help us to pray. Give us our daily bread. What a shift this makes in how we view the world. It should even make a shift in, in maybe how you grocery shop. One of the ways that our church participates in daily bread is to have a food pantry. So while you're praying this prayer, maybe you pray it as you're going to the grocery store and maybe allow God to nudge you to pick up a few more canned goods, boxed goods, things that would be helpful, and to come and drop them off here at the church in our outdoor box so that we can live out this shift in the focus of our concerns to give us our daily bread. Lastly, and maybe most significantly, this prayer, our prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us, shifts our training. It shifts our training. What do I mean by that? First and foremost, it shifts our training on forgiveness. It shifts our training about forgiveness. The last verses that are there, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then it feels like Jesus goes back in to say, for if you forgive men their sins against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you don't, He won't. It seems strange. Why were those other two verses in there? I am coming to be convinced and believe that all of those last four verses are dealing specifically with forgiveness. What do I mean by that? Well, often we have this idea that forgiveness is just about individuals. It's about God forgiving my sins. And then, good news, because I've experienced this forgiveness, then I want my friends to also experience this. And so hopefully then God will forgive my friends' individual sins. And that friend's individual sins. And those kinds of things. What Jesus is saying here is, forgive us our debts. Now, debts is a metaphor for sins. It's not that somebody owes you something. Or that we owe somebody something else. It is, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. One scholar I read talked about how this really should be translated, forgive us our sins in the same manner that we have forgiven other people who have sinned against us. Ooh, that, that shifts the training, doesn't it? You mean there's a correlation between my forgiveness and the way that I have forgiven others. The next verse seems to move away from that and lead us not into temptation. 
Like we're praying now for something entirely different. A different set of sins. you know. And don't lead me to, to be tempted by the cookies. Don't lead me to be tempted by this bad habit that I have. But I'm beginning to be convinced that this is all about forgiveness. Lead me not into the temptation of thinking that it's all about just God forgiving my sins. Now, does God forgive my sins individually? You bet. And if you have never experienced that joy and, and, and wonderful experience, I hope that you will today. Ask God to forgive your sins. And you will see. But what Jesus is talking about is there's a temptation for us to believe it's only this way and it has nothing to do this way. And there's a temptation for me to hold a grudge against somebody who has done something wrong to me. There's a temptation that I hold the power of forgiveness over them. And when I decide not to forgive them, then they are being held in some kind of cage. There's a temptation really there for us to think we hold the power of forgiveness over someone else. And Jesus in this prayer is saying, don't be led. We are praying, I don't want to be led into that temptation. I want to forgive others the way I've been forgiven. I want to live in the reality of I have received forgiveness. I give forgiveness. So lead me not into the temptation to believe that I hold the power of forgiveness over someone else. But help me to to give that out. This just makes good sense too, emotionally. Somebody says unforgiveness or or bitterness is, is drinking poison and expecting the person who wounded you to die. When you enter into a lifestyle of forgiveness, you experience the joy of true living. Lastly, and deliver us from the evil one. This is where it really connected for me. Who is the evil one? We often call him Satan. Or Satan is the actual name, if you want to say it correctly. Satan, Hasatan. And that's the word for, it's actually a title, not a person. A title of the accuser. It's the one who is the prosecuting attorney in the law court who accuses someone. Deliver us from the accuser. Deliver us from standing in the position of the accusing. Being the one who holds up and accuses someone else. That temptation that says, I hold the power of forgiveness. Oh God, through your prayer, shift this in me. Shift this so that I can live out forgiveness into my world. Is there evil? I know some of your translations just stop at evil. Some have evil one. How much, I just want to ask you this question, let's not get confused here. How much evil, or how much, if you want to personify that, how much does the evil one bring evil into our world through accusation and unforgiveness? Think about that for a moment. How much evil is brought into our world while the evil one accuses and through non-forgiveness 
I believe that's why Jesus sums this whole thing up by stressing the importance of forgiveness. How important it is to forgive others. He lands on this very harsh, seemingly phrase of, if you forgive, then God forgives. If you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. See, I believe that Jesus is using this hyperbolic statement to get your attention, to grab your attention, because He wants you to know, He wants me to know that this prayer is going to lead us to understand how committed God is to us understanding forgiveness. He is so committed to us understanding forgiveness that He wants us to experience both the joy of receiving it and of giving it. That you won't comprehend the full ramifications of forgiveness until not you have received it and you have let those that you have held in the prison of unforgiveness free by forgiving them. Now I realize as a psychologist, some of you have experienced deep wounds and trauma that make forgiveness difficult at best, and it may seem impossible. I do not believe, I want you to hear me say this, I do not believe that Jesus is just glibly saying, well, you got to forgive that person who wounded you, that person who traumatized you, that person who abused you. You just better forgive them or God's not going to forgive you. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying here. What I do believe is that Jesus wants you to experience the joy I believe that Jesus wants you to experience the freedom, the broken chains of letting that person that you hold with unforgiveness out of the cage. It does not mean you have to go back into that relationship. It does not mean you have to uh, hang around with them and be best buds with them. But the call for Christians is a call to forgive even our enemies. And God wants you to experience that joy and that freedom. And it may not happen all at once, although it could. There are some dramatic stories of people who have been let free from this. One of those is Corey Tenboon, who was a, a, a part of the uh, concentration camp at Auschwitz. And upon the end of the war, and she had written a book and was very popular and she was shaking hands and realized down the line was coming someone who had been in that concentration camp as a Nazi soldier. And somehow God dramatically allowed them not to become friends, but to shake hands. And she felt the release of the unforgiveness she held. It wasn't immediate. But over time, God began to smooth and to soothe, to set her free to forgive even one such as that. So what do you do if you're not there yet? Does that mean God hasn't forgiven your sins, that, that you stand in judgment right now? I believe that God uses this statement, that Jesus put this here to get your attention, to say there is work to do, and guess what? 
He gave us a prayer to pray that shifts our focus from individual to singular, our allegiances from the many back to the one, our concerns from me to others, and it is going to train us in the beauty and the joy and the freedom of forgiveness. Are you willing to enter in to that pattern of praying? That's the true question. Are you willing to enter into that pattern of praying? Well, I have a couple of challenges for us this week. First challenge is if you have never memorized what we call the Lord's Prayer, or what I've called today our prayer, or the prayer that Jesus taught us, that some people call it the disciples' prayer, whatever it is, if you've never memorized that, I want to challenge you this week to memorize this. Just a few lines. Teenagers, Students, this is for you too. Children, why don't you take some time with mom and dad and say, I want to memorize that. Parents, it's, it's simply write it somewhere. If you have a dry erase board, write it somewhere and read it a few times and then start taking a few words away. You'll be amazed at how you and your kids can memorize this prayer that shifts our focus. The second challenge I want to give to you is, a, is an emphasis that we're going to do this week. And I want to invite you this week for a guided time of prayer that I'm going to lead on Facebook and YouTube. And it will, be, uh, it will go live at 7 p.m. And you can get in there just like you do for church. And you'll be able to interact with others. And we're going to look at some of these shifts in focus. So we'll say the Lord's Prayer, but we'll pause. So you'll want to bring some paper, a pen, or a pencil. Something that will allow you to to be a part of this. If that time doesn't work for you, it will remain on there. So if you want to do it when you go to bed, or you want to look in on it the next morning, it will be there for you. But we're going to take time as a church community this week to spend some time allowing the prayer Jesus taught us to shift us to move the lenses around so that we can focus and see what He is calling us to live out. And the good news is Jesus believes that you can live this out. That I can live this out. That we can live this out together. Will you do that? I hope that you'll join us whenever you can. I think it will begin, I know it will begin to shift your focus like it has mine as I've been studying it this week. Well, it just seems appropriate that today we would close our time by praying the prayer that Jesus taught us. So right where you are, would you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray this beautiful prayer of ours. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, we pray that as we pray this prayer, 
many times over this next week that we would experience the shift that was spoken about. We would experience the fact that this shift takes place as we pray. Help us to remember each day to gather together and to hear this prayer prayed and meditated on and journaled about. And we pray that You would shift our focus from singular to plural. God, that You would shift all our many allegiances from many to one, back to You, to Your name, to Your kingdom, to Your will. Pray that You would shift our concerns from just me and mine to those out there in the world. And we pray most difficultly that You would gradually begin to shift our training on forgiveness. To experience the joy and the freedom of full forgiveness. Both the forgiveness we receive from You and the forgiveness we send out to those who have trespassed against us. Oh God, lead us not into the temptation of thinking we have the power to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. Don't let the evil one get a foothold and accuse us or continue to allow us to accuse others. But to let You lead us, shift us, train our eyes to see through Your eyes. For we pray and ask all of these things in the name of our Father who is for us. In the name of His Son who is with us. And in the name of the Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand wherever you are all around the world and receive this blessing? fancy word for it is benediction. And now, may you go into God's space, the hidden secret place. May you go there confidently and securely. May you pray the prayer that Jesus taught us this week. And may you experience the joy of the shift in your focus your allegiances, your concerns, and your training in forgiveness. And may you, day by day, step by step, come into the joy and freedom of full forgiveness. Pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. Go in peace. Go in His name. Be safe. We thank you so much, friends, for joining us from wherever you're joining us. If you have not given, go to our website and give. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week, but I look forward to seeing you online tomorrow. Have a great, great night. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.